welcome back, my fellow theologians. How are we doing today? And this will be the second episode of When Life Gets Messy. And if you'll remember the other day, um, we had talked about um, in Psalm 46 about when when life gets really hard and you just need to, to take a little rest and kind of recuperate from just the hardships. And... Today, however, we will be kind of transitioning to after we come back to the the aircraft carrier of life, if you will, uh, to get refueled, fed, and refocused. You know, there are times when you know we we have to get back on the battlefield, and after we're refueled and and re fed and etc we have to re-engage the enemy and um, get back in the areas of life that that are uh, at war against us and so um, with that being said um, today we'll be in the new testament and the book of ephesians chapter six and so you can go ahead and be making your way to that area of the bible and so to start us off here, um, my title for today is Take Up Your Spiritual Arms. And what I mean by that is if you look at Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10 and following, uh, Paul, the writer, uh, here is really going into depth of, as Christians, we are to put on the spiritual armor of God. And so... I am going to go ahead and dive right in. And so if you're already there, um, you can follow along with me, or you can just feel free to listen and enjoy. All right, so Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10. Paul says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle, it is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God, so that you will be able to resist in the evil day, and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf also that the utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel 
for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclamation it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Amen. And so what is going on in this passage? Well, there are a few takeaways we can we can uh, apply to our lives from, from this passage here today. And first and foremost, let me just go ahead and throw out the fact that, you know, growing up as a child reading the Bible, it can be kind of really easy to trivialize uh, these passages of Scripture. And what I mean by that is, is you know, we we can kind of water it down a little bit, you know, and, and we when we read passages like this, it's like, you know, it's not literal, it's just symbolic, you know, it's just a little, <clears throat> it's just a little angel baby and a little demon baby, and they're just playing tag, and, you know, they just punch each other in the face, and it doesn't apply to my life at all. Guys and gals, I am here to say that <laughs> That is the furthest away from truth and the enemy. He is real and he is called our adversary and he wants to take us down. And that's why Paul here is using such a kind of an aggressive tone of voice. You know, as you as you read the Bible more and more through the years and as you come more familiarized with it, you see that different books of the Bible and Old Testament and New Testament, they take on a little bit of different tones. Some are more lighthearted and some are more hard-pressed and heavy, like just, you know, here's what's going on. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm going to be straight up with you because your life is at stake. And this is one of our passages. And to kind of set the, the tone here, let me just give you a little background because if you're like me and you're just new to this whole Bible thing and being a Christian and you're like, what the heck is going on here? Who's the adversary? Um, you know, and I, I know about the devil, but I don't really, I thought he was just a, a red dude with a pitchfork and, you know, he comes out on Halloween. So let me give you a little background here. So, when I was reading this, the question that kept bothering me was, okay, I, I read this, but why? Why why is this whole thing going down? What's what has predicated this that is has caused Paul to have this reaction? And so let me just we're gonna jump around a little bit in scripture just to kind of fill in the gaps. And so if you'll just be patient with me. Um, first and foremost, we're going to go, we're going to skip all the way to the end to the book of, wait for it, Revelation. Yep, that's right. We're diving into Revelation for just a little bit. Don't be afraid of Revelation. Just because it's a lot of craziness going on, that's all the more reason to be even more curious and want to know more about it. And so we're going to have a sneak peek of that as it applies to this passage. So if you will, um, you can either turn with me over 
or you can just listen. So Revelation chapter 12, verse 17. Let's flip over there just a second to give us some background as I am turning to the right all the way to the end of the Bible. All right. Revelation chapter 12, verse 17 says this. So the dragon, which is Satan, the devil, was enraged with the woman. And the woman here, uh, although some scholars, uh, they argue whether it's Mary, the mother of Jesus, or it's the church, or it's Israel, um, you can go and back and research that for yourselves. But for the sake of this passage, and this is my personal conviction, I believe that it is um, Israel. And so we are going to go forward with that understanding that the woman here is speaking of the nation of Israel. So going back to verse 17. So the dragon was enraged with the woman, Israel, and went off to make war with the rest of her children who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And we, we get a little, a little uh, essence here because this explains, this is who we are. When it, in the latter part of verse 17, when it says, um, we are the children here who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. As Christians, that is the bread and butter of, of Christianity. And so this tells us why of the whole reason for Ephesians 6, uh, 17, or 10 through 18. And so anyway, so go ahead and flip back to Ephesians. And so, so what is the central message here? Just so we can kind of get our bearings down before we get uh, further down the line here. So if you want to write this down, go ahead and get ready. So the central message here for this whole passage is because God supplies the equipment needed for victory, access is granted exclusively through prayer. Because God supplies the equipment needed for victory, access is granted exclusively exclusively through prayer. So the first thing we see today, uh, the first observation that we're making, um, is first and foremost, Paul urges us to pray alertly. Verses 17 through 18 says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And if you're like me, you're thinking, okay, so what does prayer have to do with the sword of the Spirit and 
that kind of threw me for a loop here for, for a while. And as I was digging a little deeper, um, it's, I kind of came to this conclusion. It's kind of like a quadratic equation. I'm not a math guy, but I did dabble in high school like everyone else. Enough to realize this, this equation here. So the sword, which is the, the sword of the Spirit, which is God's Word, is yielded by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit himself, which is given the power and source of power through prayer. It's a, it's a symbiotic relationship. If you think of uh, a, a pregnant woman, you know, with a child, the mother lives and gives life by the child, and the child cannot live with if the mother is not living. So that's kind of how I like to think about it uh, in terms of this. <clears throat> and um, another thing I'll have you know, uh, just a kind of quick observation here. I don't know if you caught this, but the word all repeats three times. Let's let's check it out again. Um, <clears throat> with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Actually, at four times. Why do I bring that up? So in ancient literature, ancient Jewish literature, <clears throat> especially in Hebrew, they, they didn't really emphasize the use of punctuation that much. And so the way that they compensated for that and the way that if, they, if an author wanted to make a point and make it with an exclamation point, the only way that they could do that is to repeat a phrase two, three, four, five, however many times that they need to to really emphasize the seriousness of this. And that's exactly what Paul is doing here. <clears throat> and also, let's uh, just a little generate a little bit more background here um, in Paul's life. I had this realization as I was preparing for this message uh, also, is that when you think about it, like, you know, we're talking about spiritual warfare and soldiers and that whole mentality. Paul's a, he's pretty much a POW, like a prisoner of war. He even says it in, uh, where is it at? In verse, <clears throat> verse 19 and 20, he's like, for this, I am an ambassador in chains. And if you know the background here, uh, Paul is actually writing a letter to the church at Ephesus from a prison in Rome. So he was actually under house arrest in the city of Rome, and he's writing a letter of encouragement to his friends and fellow uh, brothers and sisters in Christ in the city of Ephesus. I don't know about you, but that's like, that encourages me, man. That's awesome. People talk about Paul all the time, and you know, as, as a motivational, 
aspiration to strive for. And this is, you know, uh, for me at least, that's a, a major contributing factor as to why. And uh, so let's, let's uh, fill in the gaps a little bit more so uh, with Paul. So if you will, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 11 has some insight into this whole um, area as well. So I'm going to flip over really quickly and let's, starting in verse 23, so 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, <clears throat> Paul here is, uh, in context, Paul is defending his apostleship with the authorities. And he says this, so they're attacking him verbally, like, what gives you the right, et cetera, et cetera, why are you doing this? And so this is Paul responding here. It says, are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane, I more so, in far more labors, in far more imprisonments, and beaten, I've been beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys and dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brothers, I have been in labor and in hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and even exposure. And apart from such external th things, there is the daily internal pressure on me of being concerned for all the churches. And then if you skip down to verse 32, it says... <clears throat> In Damascus, the Anarch under Ardeus the king was guarding the city of the Damascians in order to seize me, and I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall, and so escaped his hands. And lastly, but not leastly, we're going to flip over to Galatians, just one book over to the left from Ephesians. Galatians chapter 6, verse 17. So having all this in mind with Paul's you know, journeys and imprisonments and etc., he finally says this to, to the letter of the Galatians in his letter to the Galatian church. <clears throat> From now on, let no one cause me any more trouble, for I bear on my physical body the bruises, the blood, the scars of Jesus. Can I just say that <clears throat> we can we can deem a little a truth from even Paul's personal life alone is that Paul's scars really told his story. And uh, when I first realized that, it really spoke to me because, you know, why shouldn't we do the same thing? You know, we've been through hardships. We've been through various things in life. And 
why shouldn't we let our scars tell our story so that one day that that might be an encouragement to someone else who is also hurting? You know, who knows? Because, you know, God works in mysterious ways. He lets us go through trials and and hardships so that we may be an encouragement to others along the road. The second thing that we see here is, the second observation that we see, is that we are to pray personally. Check out verse 19 again. It says, And pray on my behalf that utterances may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. We are to pray emotionally. Or in other words, pray with a broken heart because we love those who we're praying for. And the motive is love. Now the book of Acts tells a little bit more of Paul's backstory. And if you read the book of Acts, you'll find out that Paul was, before he was in prison in Rome, he actually started the church in Ephesus and he remained there for two and a half to three years living each and every day with with this community. He loved the church at Ephesus. These were his brothers and sisters. And that's why he's being so genuine, so authentic, so raw. It's because he knows the stakes are high and he doesn't want to see his family suffer. And so he's telling them up straight, you know, You know, there was a a gentleman a lot smarter than me who once said this. said, you're never closer to God than when you're praying. I love that. I don't know about you. I just love that because that really puts a fresh perspective on the, uh, the importance of prayer and the power of prayer. The third observation we see is Paul urges us to pray boldly. Look at verse 20. Verse 20 says this, For which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. You know, here we see a little glimpse into Paul's humanity. And he was a he was a real human being with real authentic genuine fears. You know, he's not this uh this, you know, superhuman Captain America figure. Uh and unfortunately, as I was growing up as a child, that can be the tendency for most new believers as they're reading these awesome characters in the Bible like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Solomon, Elijah the prophets, all these guys that are doing all these amazing things, you know, it's easy to look at them and say, dude, that's Luke Skywalker. He's awesome. Um, But the fact of the matter is, is that's just simply not true. Paul's not a superhuman and he 
he's just he's just like us. He he has the same power, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lived in him and it also lives in us that so we have that same access to that same power. We just have to tap into it. Dale guys remember John Wayne. That was a little bit before my time, but my parents and grandparents kind of, you know, grew up watching that, you know. One of my favorite lines is, is uh, you know, one of the old movies is like, well, that'll be the day. <laughs> that was my feeble attempt at his impersonation. <laughs> uh, all, all seriousness aside, um, he he has a lot of famous quotes, but one of the the main quotes that I actually had this framed in my college dorm room, true story, um, is, and it said this, it says, courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. Isn't that awesome? And the reason I had that posted up on my uh, dorm wall in college was to remind me of this truth, you know? That just because we're scared doesn't mean we're bad Christians. Doesn't mean we're failing. It just means that we we're not we were never meant to do this on our own strength. That is not God's design. God's design is for us to rely on His strength to get through this life. Courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. So, as we have seen in this passage, we're in order to take up your spiritual arms, we are to pray alertly, we are to pray personally, and we are to pray boldly. And because God supplies the equipment needed for victory, access is granted exclusively through prayer. All right, that's it for the day, guys. And until next time, we will have a great day. I hope you guys have a great day, and we'll see you later. All right, bye-bye.